What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Lee Vowell and Todd Vandenberg. And and welcome. We come to you from the front today. Uh, lots of going on, lots of people, lots of people around us. We will try to get through this. Todd is buzzing, literally. Um, um, yeah, I apologize for that. A whole should be all sound effects. And I had, uh, oh, what is that? What is that sound effect? Like? First, first two cats I had, the you know, the from Friday the 13th, I would do that to the cats and they would be really alarmed and sometimes they would run, which is fun. <laughs> cats are so bizarre, man. They Maybe are. they had seen the movie and they knew some guy in a hockey mask was coming. I don't know. That's right. Yeah, they're, they are. Uh, we have a cat that has, I don't, I'm sure you know this. People listening may not know this, but cats can remember things up to 10 years. Yes. They're not, they're not dumb animals. They're not. Um, but we had, uh, we had a cat that we took care of outside for a little bit of time along with this other cat who, ended up pregnant not by the other cat she was already pregnant when, and a friend camille who does the you're the worst thing at the end you know she works for happy plus <laughs> and she um she ended up fostering the mom cat and then the, she had three kittens and the, she gave the three kittens away too to her father and she still has the mom cat and that's been like a year and a half two years ago probably something like that mm-hmm. um and so the other cat the orange cat he ended up being taken in, I think, by this. Well, I know he did, but this these people who live, this girl lives kind of two doors down across the street. Kind of strange person. She's young but reclusive. Has all these animals. Her house must not smell that great. Um, mm-hmm. But um, just kind of, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, so we we would see him in the window when we pass by, driving by or whatever. So oh, they're scampers because we name we always give them names scampers. So anyway, scampers ends up 
like earlier this week just at the house. It's like, what is he out? But he clearly remembered us because he goes on on the back porch and like sits in the like he owns the house. He'll sit on the like the rocker that we have on the back porch and he comes over when and feeds a, and you know meows for food, like like he never left two years ago. But it's just like, why did this lady let him out? It's like so he's like Jaron Reed. Like, you know, he remembers where he was and he came back home. Uh, funny you say that because Scampers. That would be an did. awesome nickname for Jaron Reed. Let's call yeah. him Scampers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny you say that because I remember two years ago when, when we had, he was negotiating for more food and then he decided to to yeah. say, no, it's not enough. I'm going to go somewhere else. So, he he, maybe he is Jaron Reed. We only see those people on TV and. That's He's true. about the size of a player on TV, depending on how big your TV is. That's well, that's, that's accurate. And I think Scampers, I'm not, from now on, I'm just going to refer to Jaron Reed as Scampers and maybe <laughs> something like, Because it's so ridiculous. It would be an awesome nickname for him. Because he's Scampers. the least scampering people I can think yeah. of. Scampers. Yeah. Ian uh, Al Woods. Al Woods, Al Woods, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I'm Tony, Tony, uh, he just he passed away right last year yeah he is amping no more amping amp 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 all right so uh we are here to talk seahawks a little bit and then we'll get into the rob gordons this week which are our t- <laughs> we're gonna talk about seahawks a little bit after we talk well about because it's, it's me you know um <laughs> well we mentioned jaron reed we've we've got our quota and that's um, true we did mention the seahawks so there you go we're done okay <laughs> Uh, Rob Gordon's are this week, Todd. What are Rob Gordon's? I'd actually take the whole show. Uh, anyway, yes, Seahawks. Are, are Rob Gordon's this week, Todd, are? Oh, you really want the Rob Gordon's this week? Yes, are Rob Gordon's well, this week? I mean, we're not going to do them now. We're just going to say what they are to are. to tease the listener, to tease me, who has drunkenly forgotten what the Rob Gordon's are. And when I'm going back to listen to the podcast, boom. Top five favorite television shows of all time, except we have so many that we had to make it our top ten. Because, as Lee appropriately said, we would have so many honorable mentions. Because the last time we did this, which was a few years ago, I think it was actually, uh, I think it was in celebration of the uh, signing of the Emancipation Proclamation when we last did this, that we had so many honorable mentions. It was like, okay. And as Lee wisely said, Lee is the other guy in the podcast, in case you missed that part. Hi, Lee. Uh, Hey. By the way. My beverage is 10.5% alcohol by volume, in case you couldn't figure that out already. Oh, that's what uh, ABV stands for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I can think of something else it stands for, but that's only appropriate for the Nikki X happy hour. Uh, <laughs> and who's who's the brewer? The, the brewer? The brew, the brew, the brewer is Hop Butcher to the world. That's not Hop Butcher. But a hop butcher to the world, a Chicago brewer, and this is called Minted. It is a holiday imperial stout brewed with chocolate and frango mint oil. It's a it's frango. Uh, some some uh, frango Harris maybe. Um, That's this is a pretty good beverage. I enjoy it. I like it. Mine is Boulevard Brewing, which is it's called Maple Wood. Which is so good. That looks so good. It's a stout, definitely a stout. I mean, this thing is black, um, but it's it is what it is. It's uh, has it was it's made with maple syrup, and it's it's 
got a sweetness, not overly sweet. It's not like a fruited drink or anything, but it's definitely yeah. a stout with some some sweetness to it. And it's it's twelve point five ABV. Woo! This is gonna yeah. be a good show. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. You're like my favorite TV show is Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> That's how it'll be at the end. <laughs> That's how it is already. What are you talking about? At the end. That's true. Um. That's true. Yes. Anyway. Seahawks. So we'll, well, um, yeah, Seahawks. So we'll start with the we'll start with the rookie offensive lineman stuff, and then we'll get with the the we'll get with the Ring of Honor. All all fifteen members are here. Um, but anyway, the, so the rookie, lovely. your guy Olu from Michigan, who although with seems teams. seems to be heading towards. I mean, if if I'm the Seahawks, Seahawks, if I'm the Seahawks, week one, I'm still probably starting Evan Brown because. I don't know, man. You, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. So here's the You're issue. Wrong. Like r- offensive line, you need uh, probably am cohesion, right? So you got to have the same players playing in the same spots. So you build up that cohesion, communication, things like that. But Evan Brown has the experience and he wasn't, he wasn't bad anyway, when he was with the Lions played center which, in 2021. So it's good to have Seahawks a veteran. Don't seem to do that often, right? I mean, they've done so much last year. They were getting better about it because last year they had two awesome tackles. Uh, and they, but I they, mean, still, they still Austin Blythe was still the veteran center who knew the offense. Right. But but I mean it seems like we're heading towards. Uh, of course, there's a whole lot. I mean we just had rookie mini camp. We haven't had training camp, so who knows what's going right. to happen. But it, we seem to be heading towards Olu actually being the starting center. Oh yeah. One. Uh, he's got a lot of snaps at center because he never played anything else in college. Um, despite the fact that he bumped around to a few schools. I mean, he's still, and as we talked about last week, in case you missed that sparkling show, that the only reason he went to Michigan is because they ran a pro-style offense and he wanted to prepare himself more for the NFL, which makes sense because most people go to college to prep themselves for their career. Like, why would a football player be any different? So he left Virginia because Virginia was running more like an air raid offense. and was like he needed more... I wondered about that because they kind of stink. Yeah, it's more like a Cessna offense, I think. (laughs) Um, And I don't mean a Cessna jet. I mean like a Piper Cub. Anyway, uh, but obviously Michigan Michigan runs the ball a lot. And Oluwapimi made the right choice, obviously, by transferring because he won a lot of accolades. And that's one of the things some people downgrade is like, well, it's like, you know, he, he won the award as the best center, but it's like, well, he was the best offensive line by acclamation yeah. and awards and all the rest of it. It's like, but it's not that he, he was a finalist for the Remington Award as the best center in the country as a junior at Virginia. So it's not like he came in and took advantage. I mean, he was the one who pushed that line over the edge. I'm not saying he was the best offensive lineman. Probably was uh, on that unit, but it's not like, oh, it was just. Actually, he, Virginia, he was there. the he was the only offensive lineman. They play with just <laughs> one offensive lineman. <laughs> Let me put it this way: he was not the Robert Horry of uh, Michigan's <laughs> offensive line. Okay, so not knocking Robin Horry, Robert Horry, or Robin Horry either. Robin Horry. <laughs> uh, she also is an award-winning person. I'm sure there's a Robin Horry somewhere. Anyway, yeah, to me it makes more sense to start the veteran because, like you said, I, it wasn't that he wasn't. He was just okay. He was excellent as a, when he was plugged into the center. The only reason he moved back 
last season is because the Lions had an all-pro, I'm sorry, a pro bowler at center, and that's why Brown moved over, because the guy was out for the year. So now he's moving back to center. We know he can do the job. It just makes more sense, but I would not be a bit surprised to see Olu take over after the bye, say, at the latest. Uh, and Which maybe, comes early in the season. Right, fifth, week five. Uh, but, I, hey, you know, if if the best college center last year can't beat out the guy that you got in free agency, I, yeah, that could be a bad thing because it's like, oh, okay, the guy, we wasted a draft pick, although draft number in the fifth round isn't exactly a waste, no matter what happens, right? But to me, it's much more likely that it means Brown is too good. So either way, they're in, in a good spot. But yeah, I think at least after the break, he'll he'll be the starter. And it's funny because there are a lot of articles out, and I'm not knocking people for writing articles, but just the concept is like, oh, he's competing. He's expected to compete. It's like everybody is expected to compete. Right. Have you missed that somehow on the Seahawks? <laughs> it's like, did, did you miss how a seventh round pick wound up being their starting running back? Yes, right. everybody competes. I mean, literally, no job is safe, and that's how it's supposed to that's be. That's how it's supposed to be, yeah. Exactly, you know, for and for any team, ev- exactly. everywhere. You know, once you prove yourself, you, it's not, and it's not like they're looking over their shoulder. No, I've never heard any player on the Seahawks, you know, say that, oh, man, I just felt like, you know, my job was never safe. No one ever takes it that way. It's always... Everything I've ever read is they always the statement is like they feel pushed in the right way to excel. You know that's right. what it's. How many times did Gino said that? You know from from Drew Locke, not right. from, you know I, and that's how it's supposed to be. So of course their fifth round draft pick is expected to compete. No kidding. Of course yeah. he is, man. I mean, yeah, it's, then, uh, it, it's uh, just kind of crazy. Yeah, and he's uh, definitely a smart guy. I mean, he played. Yeah. Went to Virginia, and then he went to Michigan. Those mm-hmm. are two schools you don't do well at academically if you're not smart, smart person. Right. You're not going to get into either one of those schools. Yeah, and he got into the Air Force Academy at the very beginning. It's like three. The three schools he's been to, none of them are. <laughs> you know, you're not getting in there with like. You know, he took a lot of shop classes. Right. And, you know, yeah. I had a 2.0 GPA. Like, and that's not happening. Right. And, as, and, as, you know, and for those as, people who are tradesmen and skilled craftsmen, I'm not knocking those. Oh, yeah, of course. Careers. But, absolutely. Because it's like, you kind of need those people because otherwise society falls apart. Just talking to about paraphrase uh, Max, Max Fisher, yeah. Harvard was his fallback. So. <laughs> Why isn't that a TV show? <laughs> oh, probably because they would ruin it. Anyway. Um, Yep. And then um, these guys are going to compete for sure. Yeah. And then you've got Bradford, who's the guard, right. right guard, who, again, he he's big enough to play right away, too. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, no offense to Phil Haynes. He's actually been decent, as we've talked about before. But, right. um, you know, it's not like he's a 10 time all pro. Uh, uh, Bradford could the only the only concern I would have talent outweighs everything. Right. And, and especially Absolutely. talent and you know, production efficiency along the offensive line, not missing 
not missing alignments and things like that, obviously, but, but yeah. you'd have two second year tackles. You'd have Damian Lewis, who's the DJ Dallas of the offensive line in this situation where he's what in his fourth years, but he's the old man. And then right. you would have a rookie center and a rookie right guard, which is great in time, but you, you do worry like, okay, they're going to make some mistakes because they're two of them are rookies. Two of them tackles are still learning to some degree. It only right. takes two or three losses to kind of doom the season, you know, early on unexpected lot. Like they should beat the Rams, right? The Rams are always tough, but they should beat the Rams. They could right. lose that game. If they, you know, if yeah, of they, course they could. And, and that's a game you can't really lose. Because they, they play a tough schedule. NFC is the not the AFC. Awful. Yeah, the Rams were awful last year, and the Seahawks barely pulled out that last win of the season. Right. So, yeah. Well, because you can only contain Baker Mayfield. You can't really stop him. <laughs> the good thing about the schedule and the, in, the relative inexperience of all the rookies, well, relative, the obvious inexperience of all the rookies, because by definition, they don't have experience, is that the, the murderer's rose part of the schedule is late in the season. Yeah. You know, thankfully, they're not opening with that stretch where they play. What you think the, about the that? Twice in one That would be awful. Like three weeks or twice in a month. But, I mean, you know, twice in three weeks. In yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And it's just, yeah, that would be a bad situation. So at that point, these guys are going to have, what, nine, ten games experience under their belt. That's a huge difference. A yeah. huge difference. You know, th- those were the, supposed to be the first four games originally as the schedule leaked out. Those, And then after that, they were supposed to play the 85 Bears and the 89 49ers. A lot of people didn't know that. Yeah, that would, uh, that would be a tough schedule. Yeah, I, would think tough. I would think that would put, put your strength of schedule like at least in the top half of the league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. It's uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe 16th. Maybe 16th. 16th. <laughs> so, uh, I, I put out an article uh, this last week, whenever you're listening to this five years ago, uh, about the next four Seahawks that should be inducted into the Ring of Honor. And I, I didn't have <laughs> Pete Carroll and John Schneider on there because cause they will be, I mean, they're a coach and, and a general manager. They don't have any general managers here the Ring of Honor, although Schneider definitely should be the first. And yeah. Carroll will get there. But players, you know, they might. Might uh, get in a little bit faster. So the four I had, <clears throat> and this was not saying no other players out there should not be in the Ring of Honor. Yeah. I didn't have Marshawn Lynch, who should be in the Ring of Honor. But mm-hmm. I, I didn't have him on there more so just because he was, he went from the Bills to the Seahawks, great with the Seahawks, and went to the Raiders. And the, so it was kind of like, it was what it was. He's going to make the Ring of Honor, and he should yeah. make the Ring of Honor. I think that's the biggest feedback in the comments that people have said, oh, what about beast mode? Well, but yeah, but I didn't me, say he wasn't. But to, but to me, there's no point in mentioning it because to me, he's obvious. Yeah, well, gonna go well the other like, four why, I have. Why, why bring up someone that's so, was like, well, of course, beast mode. Yeah, but I mean, these are the next four. So I had Doug Baldwin, who I don't, you know, uh, people, also people are like, why is he not already in there? It's because this, the Seahawks, they don't rush anything. Right. But um, it is shocking that he's not in there already. Right. But, but right. yeah, it's only it hasn't been that long since he retired. Right. Well, you have to be a priest, then a cardinal and then pope. You can't you have to take some. So um, anyway, I have Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman, Cam <laughs> Chancellor and some other guy. So um, <laughs> some other guy. 
Tyler Ott. Okay, it was Tyler. No, it was, anyway, but I one of the um, one of you, the people. You're really not going to say who the other guy is. I did. It was Tyler Ott. Okay. Tyler Ott. There you go. Um, yeah. No, it was uh, it was you know <laughs> that guy. A certain player who's still with the Seahawks. Uh, that was just, the thing that no, 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 no. Just admit it. Just admit it. It's Lee Vowell. Yep. Well, how am I not in already? You know. Yeah, seriously, that's what I'm wondering. No, it was funny. One of the so it was Bobby Wagner. So one, of, I said, and and my point really in the whole little bit about him was, okay, I, I even started off by saying, okay, I, I'm cheating a bit with this one, but whenever he decides to hang him up, the next right. year he should be in the Ring of Honor. And somebody somebody commented on, like, oh, I, you know, Bobby should one day, but I don't know why he's on this list. He's still a player. It's like, did 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 you read that? <laughs> and then, I mean, I've got several of those. It's like it's cool that people are reading it. I appreciate them reading it. But there was one comment who said, <laughs> no, no, one comment. The guy clearly wrote or read the article, but he mm-hmm. said he said oh, the list is okay, but the writer clearly forgot. That the one of the fifteen members of the Ring of Honor isn't a, a former announcer, because I say in I don't know paragraph three or something, something about like non-player, non-owner, and in paragraph one, okay, it says the group includes two head coaches, one owner, one announcer, and eleven players. <laughs> it's like I'm right. Th- I say it right there. That's the second sentence. Yeah. It's like I I just well, I get, but. Anyway, yeah. So. Yeah, being being that I teach reading, I I totally understand how people will miss things like that. It's sad that they'll miss it and then make a comment about it and basically show out their own inability to comprehend what they're reading. You know, I mean, I get that you would miss it, but to actually take the time to comment about something and call someone out for a mistake that's not a mistake, that's your own error. Right. Well yeah, like, done, well done, bozo. It's like a plus. That's the what you got out of the article. But um, somebody somebody said um, uh, quote, this is ridiculous. Marshawn changed the culture and belief of this team before any of the four you mentioned. And I'm like, eh. what? I mean, what? Yeah, I I mean, Marshawn changed I'm, the culture before Cam and Richard Sherman. What? Well, I guess he was technically on the team before that because it was part of the, the wild card. So, yes, I mean, he helped change the – but, again, you can't – that's – you can't have Cam and Richard. You can't yeah. – if he had just – if there had been no Cam and Richard or Earl, who I didn't have on the list either for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, right, right. You know, Marshawn would have been still a great running back, but they wouldn't have won half their games. Exactly. Exactly. And literally, they might not have won. Well, hell, they didn't win half their games that, that wild card season. Literally. Right. Um, yeah. oh, Jesus. There was a, a lot of it. Max Strong. I'm not making that up. No, you know, I can see that eventually. Not before the guys, the four guys that you mentioned. Um, but Max Strong, I totally get that. But, but again, it's one of those things that's like, Okay, these are my four choices. I'm not saying all the other players in Seahawks history or all the other individuals who've had anything to do with the Seahawks don't belong, as you pointed out. 
right. you know, I even said Russell should make it eventually. And of course, but, Russell should make it. Yeah. Here, but but should Earl Thomas make it? What do you picture? Like twenty years from now, do you, do you think that uh, they should not? Will they? But do you think they should put in Earl Thomas? Like literally twenty years from now. It depends on to me. To me, it gets complicated with Thomas because of, yeah, I mean, he's a phenomenal player, right? But not only the the flipping off the sidelines just a few weeks before Paul Allen passes away, right? But it's more also off the field issues that he's had. And that kind of like, I mean, that can color like if you get into like the Hall of Fame, right? Of course. Uh, In general. So it should also color the whether you get into the Ring of Honor. I mean... Baldwin was a great player on the field, but one of the reasons uh, he should be in the ring of honor is because the stuff he does off yeah. the field. Uh, he's a better human being, as we've talked about several Seahawks players, than he was a player. And he was an amazing player. Absolutely amazing player. And and I don't think anybody can look at what this guy has achieved and what he's doing now and say that, oh, man, he's, real, he's really a letdown. It's a shame. He, it's like, it, by the time he's done... I wouldn't be surprised if his Seahawks career, other than like sports sites, would all be would be like a footnote. Like you go to Wikipedia, it's like, oh, early on, he also played uh, football with the, in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. Right. Yeah, I mean, I literally just like Tyler Lockett's going to be, just exactly. like Lockett. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I think they're actually the same person. To be honest, <laughs> they might be the same. <laughs> they're quite the same person i mean i think doug just shaved his head and you know <laughs> and decided to smile more That's right. um somebody said uh baldwin he's not even the best 89 on the in the history of the team i'm like okay <laughs> who cares i'm not arguing 89s here yeah yeah like, seriously um <clears throat> Yeah, I don't yeah, know. But anyway, I mean, point. people have a right to their opinion, obviously, and that's, that's the whole point, right? And right. yeah, Marshawn should make it, but <clears throat> at the same time, it's like, eh, I can kind of stand by. And I had to th- I wanted to throw Bobby in there because it was like he came back to the team. And Now, if you had written the article and said, these are the last four people who should ever make the Ring of Honor, then people can have an argument. Oh, I'm, I'm writing that article, and that's going <laughs> like, to include Thomas and Russell Wilson. And uh, Sean <laughs> Shed uh, yeah. and Tyler Rod, of course. Excuse me, Rick Myrer. Um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, write that article. I want to be looking at any comments. It's like Rick Myrer definitely believes she not only ring of honor, you should be in the Hall of Fame. That's right. Actually, Myrer's it should be Dan McGuire. Maybe that's what I should go with instead of mm-hmm. quite true, quite true. Myra had his time. Brian Bosworth will be in there soon. Don't know. So uh, we have to throw in a couple of things before we get to the Rob Gordons. This is an abbreviated show. It's only lasting four hours today. Yeah, so sure. we had the passing of, of Jim Brown. And Jim yeah. Brown is um, talk about a, a guy, not even a football player, obviously, but as a human being. Definitely, you know, maybe a, doesn't make it right, but not a person of his time. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's weird because he, you want to like the guy a lot, but he has had issues or he had issues. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, the greatest football player ever, ever, possibly. I mean, that argument right. could be made, right? Quite. Po- oh, yeah, definitely could be made. Quite possibly. 
Um, He's not Gail Sayers, but. (laughs) Very complicated, complex person for sure. You know, the uh, female abuse issues. But then again, and I'm not dismissing that, but you have to balance that with all the, the activist work, the civil rights work, which he did for decades. Kelly saved um, the world from Martians. That too. He definitely saved the world from Martians. I forgot about that. He should be in the Seahawks ring of honor just for that. Because <laughs> without Jim Brown, there would be no Seattle Seahawks because there would be no Seattle. That's so, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it's a very complicated situation with him. He's, he's the last of the Miami Four. The uh, One Night in Miami. Yeah. Very well done film. And it's like it's three of them had two of them passed away very quickly, sadly. And then uh, Ali was gone not much later than now. Jim Brown was, was the last one standing, which makes sense because, again, he basically killed off Martians. So. Right, right, right. I mean, even with the reach that they had, he kept the jab going. You know, he did the right thing. He did. Boxed, boxed well. Mars Attacks, for people who, like me, can't remember, don't know what we're talking about. The movie Mars Attacks. For Jim people Brown. like you who don't know what we're talking about. Well, I'm about. the only person who listens to the show. So it's like that, I have to remind that's, myself, that's oh, a, that's that's what it that is. is. That is the most perfect encapsulation of the show ever. <laughs> it's like for people who don't know what we're talking about and we're the ones doing the talking. Yeah, and that exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. We really don't know what we're talking. We just keep talking. So it sounds that's like true. we kind of know, but we don't really know. Yeah. Jim Brown talking will, about. will not be at the French Open this season. That's for sure. He he will not, um, and neither will your guy. My guy, Ponce de Leon. My fifth um, favorite. I don't Spanish know why I Ponce de Leon. I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> it's my fourth favorite Spaniard. After Mario Soto, um, the uh, the oh, what the and, hell? And Tomada. Um, <laughs> Rafael Nadal will not be. He's decided. I mean, I, I had a feeling, uh, and again. I, a lot of people had this feeling that he wasn't going to be able to play at the French Open just because he's been, you know, he had an injury earlier this year and just hasn't been able to play at all. So it didn't make a whole lot of sense for him to kind of rush back. I didn't realize, even with all his injuries, I didn't realize he had not missed the French Open since, what, 2007 or something like that? Six? Um, I didn't know he'd been there every sure. year. I know he'd won it, but I thought he missed a year too. Yeah, 1906. Yeah, um, and it's it's. It was 1906 when he was living in San Francisco and said, "Oh, I better leave." And then there was an earthquake. So, <laughs> your moment of history on today's 12 <laughs> Man right. Rising podcast. Uh, and it's it's sad. I mean, he, obviously his career is winding. I mean, he already he, at the same time he announced that 2024 is his last year. Right. So hopefully he can come back and play the French in 2024. <laughs> And we'll Might see be his last term. It makes sense. It is. It would make sense to just wrap it up with the French and say, "I'm done. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for all the fish." Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Car- Carlos Alcaraz is going to win the French Open this year. Bet on it. Place place some thousand yeah. dollars on it. It's going to happen. But I mean, and it would have been nice to see Nadal. No offense to Nadal. I like him. Again, we've spoken about this at length but especially when it comes to Nadal and Federer both those guys are pretty much saints right um 
good dudes. I mean, you know, and even if it was in their heyday, Federer versus Nadal, it wasn't like, oh, I love Federer, but that Nadal, I mean, it was never like that. It was like, I just prefer this guy. I want him to win, but it's like. Exactly. The other guy was not a jerk, so it wasn't like you could really dislike him that much. Yeah, the only, the only person possibly better on the entire planet is Jaron Scampers Reed. So, yeah, the well, person. I mean, that's let's not. I mean, that's not true because Scampers is way, <laughs> way ahead of them. Um, just the power that he can get, you know. I mean, he plays the net. He doesn't even move. He serves, runs to the net, just stands there. Just stands there. He doesn't even use his racket. So the ball's bouncing off of him. So, um. Is this pickleball? Um, so, <laughs> pickleball. But yeah, I mean, oh, I like yeah. Nadal. It would be nice to see yeah. him come back next year, and then if he loses to Alcaraz, who's the next, the next great. I mean, sorry, great, but he could be. I mean, he's so young; he could dominate the sport for yeah. years. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, Djokovic is gonna play in the, in the French, and he's actually gonna play in the U.S. Open because they changed the rules, so he's allowed to play in that. So it'll be interesting. Djokovic is not young either; hasn't really yeah. had the injury history as consistently as Nadal. But well, again, without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You reach a certain Yeah, they all age. get it. Yeah. You get to that certain point. So. Age is undefeated, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, pulled, I pulled a muscle in my little finger the other day. Opening a jar of pickles. It's funny you say I, that. I, I, I thought I that's didn't. how to do pickleball, but it turned out it was wrong. <laughs> I actually uh, got a on my index finger on my right. Maybe it's from using the mouse so much, but it's like I've done something to it. It's nothing there that you can see, but it there was carpal media. But just just the knuckle. Seize on the, the knuckle. Hand. That's it. Nothing else. Thing is your right hand because your right hand is pretty much useless because you're left hand. <clears throat> I try to. Well, I'm not going to go there. So, um, anywho, <laughs> that's a different show again. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, <clears throat> but oh, uh, yes. yeah, the the speaking of different show, the Lakers are down three zero, and the where what show is over. Ted Hicks sent us a photo of of something saying the Ted? Lakers and Celtics Repro would go to Hicks. Game Seven. At this point, it looks like. And it wasn't. He wasn't saying that was true. He just thought it was funny and sent us a photo. Of it. Right. But it, at this point, it looks like neither of these teams is even going to win a game in their conference finals. No. Pretty bizarre. Pretty bizarre. Go yeah. Heat! Yay! The only team oh, yeah, that right. the right. only sports team that Miami supports in any way. Like nah, the Marlins had a huge crowd today. Fifteen hundred and seven <laughs> people showed up. For bobblehead, you know, it's just, it's so bizarre, man. Isn't it weird that Miami does that, but then Los Angeles, it's like, really, they support basketball and baseball. It's like. Actually, you know what? It's not surprising. You know, it just dawned on me because what, 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 what sport is played indoors? Basketball. That's why. Hmm. They don't want to sense. sit out there in that freaking hot, humid crap, which is silly because they live in that hot, humid crap. But I, really, maybe that is part of it. Oh, well, the Rays have the best stadium in baseball, and they hardly draw any fans. That's comical. And that's inside. 
<laughs> that's comical. That's because they don't really have a stadium. They have like a giant <laughs> rat trap. Um, With no air conditioning. Yeah. I swear, yeah. when I went to the game there once, it was, I don't, yeah. I don't remember what month it was. It was in the summer. But it was hot in the stadium. Like, you've got an indoor stadium. Use the air conditioning. It did make probably, any sense. They probably did, and that's all they had. Uh, it's comical to me that, that someone is trying to get a major league team in Orlando. And it's like, you do realize that sports teams in, in Florida don't draw, right? They don't. None of them do. It's like, except the Heat. And maybe the Panthers do. I don't know, because I don't really care about the Panthers. But... Or the lightning, for that matter. They better be drawing now, I'll say that. Yeah, I hope they would be drawing. But, uh, you know, it's just people just generally don't go to sports events in South Florida. They just don't. And I don't know what the the reason is. I mean, there's a lot of other things to do in Florida, of course. But that's kind of the situation in every part of the world, let alone the country. The high school football outdraws uh, the Rays in Miami, I think. I think people turn out for high school football in Miami. They probably do. I, I guarantee you. I, and I know that's – maybe it's not a joke. It sounds like a joke. But, but no. probably on any given weekend, high school football, you probably find a dozen games that had bigger crowds than the, than the uh, Marlins would have the Florida Marlins. Oh, they, time, they are still a team. I thought you were making a joke. I, I didn't realize they were still a baseball team. No, they are still a baseball team. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's so strange. I'll be I'll be in Toronto soon, where they support their teams and who Leafs who 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 managed to not get swept, but they love the Leafs even though they're almost now they're, they're almost like apparently I'm not that tied into it that in tune. But apparently they're almost like at Cubs status, the lovable losers kind of thing, where, mm-hmm. you know, they're super supportive, even though they haven't done anything in a long time. But that's what you if you support your team, that's what you do. And they still have more uh, World Series wins in the last hundred years than the Cubs, right? That's true. They do. Uh, someone's going to have to call in right now and tell me how the Miami Marlins are 24 and 22. Not that, but how they have a 24 and 22 record and they have a run differential of negative 52. Which is one of the worst in baseball. That's pretty ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Timing is everything. In in and that's what she said. Um, <laughs> anyway, we probably they should. Either, they either that. win two to one, or they or they they win two to one, or they lose ten to two. Or something. That's like basically that. what it is. I'm sure it, I mean, it has to be what it is, really. It's got to be. I mean, otherwise, they it win doesn't make any games, sense. When they lose, they get blown out. And that's also what she said. Uh, I think it's probably time for the Rob Gordons. Those are the Rob or oh, oh, but one more thing. The athletics are 10 and 37 because we know they stink. Oh. Guess what their run differential is. Um, I let guess me, plus two. <laughs> well, let me preface that the, <laughs> the <awful>. team, <laughs> the Kansas city Royals are 14 and 33 and I have a run differential of negative 68, which is next worst in baseball. Which sounds reasonable. But guess what? That, five. 166. Oh, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Jeez, oh, that hurt. I mean, literally, I got a shiver. I don't know why, but, but it's like they're, they're losing by four game, four runs a game. 
Even the games they win, they're losing by four. <laughs> they're like spotted them out. Like they'll lose three to four, but it counts as a win for them. That's, didn't they have? I can't remember exactly what they how they phrased it, but they had a, like a fan appreciation night or some kind of thing where everyone was like, "Oh, let's go support them," and it was like a random Tuesday night. And it's like maybe you should do that every night. Exactly. <laughs> In a desperate bid to save the team from moving, like. <laughs> Do you really want to save that team from moving? Do you really want to save that team? Like <laughs> that's, um, that's the kind of team that you're happy. Yeah. See they away. they don't they don't want to save that. They've given up 342 runs, which is 90 almost 90 worse than the next closest team, and they've oh. scored 176 runs, which is second worst. Though the the Marlins who can't score are the worst. Yeah. How many how many games have they played? What was it again? 47 combined. 47. So it's and really almost four runs. How many? And how many runs? <laughs> if you just do their losses, it's almost 10 runs a loss. Jeez. It sounds ridiculous, but it's the A's. Seven so. runs a game. Think, oh, wow. Yeah. That is incredibly bad. Uh, you know what? They probably could use a left-handed reliever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might Both as well try out because it's like... <laughs> Both of us throw left-handed, you know. It's like Bay Area, be pretty nice. Spend a few months there. Yeah, except that stadium think is. Think yeah. about it. Think about it. Think about it, Lee. <clears throat> I've think thought about it. About it. I'm What's the minimum hold out contract for another team? What's the minimum contract? <laughs> you, you mean oh, for a real team? No, that makes sense. I'm gonna hold out for a professional team. Um, Some I double think. A team. Oh, double that. Hey, Knoxville has a double A teams right there. So there you go. If they played, if they played in the same division as the Rays, they would be 24 games back after 47 games. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. The new Cleveland Spiders. Woo! That's awesome. <laughs> probably even better than the, the Spiders are probably better. Okay, so, yeah, our Rob Gordon's, and you've already said several times why our Rob Gordon's are, but we'll use this voice. Todd, tell us what the Rob Gordon's are once again this week. Our Rob Gordon's are our 10 favorite TV series ever. Including streaming. Including streaming. Thank you very much for throwing that in. Because if, we, if streaming didn't exist, actually, I wouldn't have missed too many of my shows if streaming didn't exist. Actually, if streaming did not exist, I would have missed precisely one show. I didn't even think about that till now, but every one of my other shows were actually on one of the... Well, with the exception of one, all the other shows were on one of the big three. Uh, so even oh, three okay. Fox, for that matter. The big three, really? Oh, my gosh. So of that, I have one, two, two. And, I have two in the big three. Interesting. But they're, wow. they're not all streaming. Like one. Okay, like so let's, let's establish the streaming. fact that I'm infinitely older than Lee, which is why a lot of my choices are... He almost had Dick Van Dyke on this. Let's see. Uh, Close, close. Close close to a little bit of uh, precognition. Anyway, what is my number 10? Because you came up with the list. So my number 10... Hold on, can I do this? I don't... Let me do my honorable mentions just... Oh my god, we're going to be on until 2 o'clock. Go ahead, sir. No, 2 o'clock would be way too soon. (laughs) <laughs> um, now, honorable mention, and these were just ones like I thought about, but yeah. uh, Reservation Dogs, 
new season comes out in August, by the way. Yeah, uh, Sherlock, uh, Bugs Bunny, um, Morning Show, Mandalorian, yeah. Mozart in the Jungle, Andy Griffith used to be way up there. It's not what? anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, let's stop right now. Let's stop right now. Let's shut this down and talk about this. How the hell did the Andy Griffith show fall out of your top ten? I am I get mixed feelings about it emotionally because I used to watch it with my dad, I think. But I then, then the other shows that I have on here, I just am yeah. like, like White Lotus could have been yeah. on here. It's an honorable mention. No, I understand something because like that. seriously, when was the last time we did this? Probably five years ago, right? And, and lot- I don't think we even did streaming shows then. It was mostly and, just no, TV. No, we just did five, sh- and we just did five. But Andy Griffith was in your top five. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shocking. 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 I think Andy Griffith might have been your number two or three. I know it wasn't number one. I think it was three. I think it was three. Anyway, continue, sir, with your inexhaustible list of. uh, Uh, That was it. That was it. That was just. Yeah. Since you did honorable mentions, bastard, I'll do a couple honorable mentions. I will do the Captain Kangaroo show, tough speaking of childhood. Yeah, I know, but still. And I will also throw in the CBS Children's Film Festival. And I'll talk more about that next week. So you'll have a reason to tune in because I <laughs> tune in. <laughs> oh, my God. That isn't a dated reference because I know you're not listening for Seahawks. So anyway, I'll talk more about that later. My number 10, and these are in order, unbelievably, is Law and Order. Not any of the really? 18,000 offshoots. But Law and Order, and specifically, specifically, very specifically, the run with Lenny Briscoe. Huh. By far the, the best. I mean, I just, I really enjoy uh, the format. Always, I, I think, is a brilliant format. You know, it's like, oh, here's the people who arrest the people. Here's the people who make the jail, the scum go to jail. Just the fact that a lot of times the good guys don't win, I think, is a brilliant concept because. In reality, the good guys don't always win, as we know. Sometimes the bad guys win, because after all, we suffered through four years of an asshole. Um, but it was it was as much the play of the boy. This is going to be a long show, isn't it? <laughs> the, the, the play, the plotting, and the character development, and how the characters grew, and uh, just to me, obviously, because it's on my list, the tenth greatest. Well, Interesting. Tenth favorite, I did not know that. Oh, my 10th huh. favorite TV series ever. So that's and, your number 10, huh? Jing, yeah. jing. Um, let's see. <laughs> You're number 10. No, I, I realize I have two Canadian shows on here. I'm not surprised. Even though I'm not the one that's... So uh, number 10 for me is... Uh, so I, I I had Andy Griffith at number 10, and then somebody was like, well, what about Blah? And I was like, yeah. Somebody. At this point. Also known as Felix. No, uh, Dan. Dan Levy. And so uh, number 10 for me, he was like, man, what about um, so number 10, 10 for me is Schitt's Creek. It, it, I can't remember. Have you seen it or not seen yes, it? Yes, yes. Schitt's Creek is, okay. uh, yeah, not on my list, but obviously makes makes perfect sense to be on anybody's top list or top, top five list. It's yeah, really, it's, uh, so funny. It's, yeah, it's funny, and it also has a heart to it, and they it's just it treats the characters with respect, and it's just so well-written and well-conceived. So, Schitt's Creek, um, number 10 for me. So, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I, you know, we never, we, we should never, 
again, do a top 10 because I always do that. Both of us always do that. We always go into our John Lennon phase. Um, number nine for me is the Andy Griffith Show. So you're number nine, sir. Uh, number nine for me and is... I, let me interrupt you for a moment. If you have to be explained... If, if, if we need to explain the reason why the Andy Griffith Show is in an honorable mention or in the top 10 or top five or the best TV show ever, it's like, just like... You can probably watch it on YouTube at this point. It's like... Speaking of treating characters with, and now I'm doing what I said I wasn't going to do, treating treating characters with respect, even the buffoon of the series, Don Knotts, one of the greatest comic actors ever, uh, and it's just brilliant. And the fact that Anne Griffith, who is extremely funny, played the straight man because he knew that was the world that would make the show work. Yeah, which they switched after the season after the show yeah. actually started. Right, that's how self-aware right. they he was. Yeah, specifically. Exactly. It was like, oh, we'll do no, no time for sergeants. And it's like, oh, nope, doesn't really work for this. Yep, exactly. Which was a brilliant movie. Oh, my God. No time for sergeants. Mm-hmm. I also forget about that when we do our favorite movies, but that's a brilliant movie. You're number nine, sir. I was going to say, uh, so Andy Griffith. <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, Why don't we just do an Andy Griffith podcast because you know, the Seahawks thing isn't working. I'm glad <laughs> it, I, it, it just was no Mayberry RFD. No, I, I, I think, if, Sam. I think if, if Andy Griffith, it, it, to me, it's like it's too it, when it became color colorized. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And Lost Barney, the show, yeah. it was still great, but it wasn't as good. And that's half the show. Well, until 68 it, anyway. 65 yeah, I don't to think 68. it was even great. It was still good, but I don't think it was great anymore. And that's why I don't have it on the top 10 anymore, I think. That, that, that's one of the bigger reasons I don't. Well, you know, that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. Number nine for me is I have two two PBS shows on this list. Um, but the first, uh, number nine is Durrells of Corfu, which is a true story about a family who moved from England to Really good show. Of- Oh, you've seen it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen the whole, I haven't even seen all of uh, season one, but it's a really good show. Oh, it's, yeah, and it gets better. Yeah. It gets, it gets better and better. Um, and it's, they keep, they keep, they don't, they don't stray too much from the actual story. I mean, obviously there's some play in it, but, but then they go back. I mean, it's just very, they do leave, they leave Corfu, which they do in real life because of World War II outbreak. But it's just, it's so well done and it never tries to be anything other than what it, is which is the story of that family and the story of the residents on Corfu and it's just it's, it's beautiful to watch first of all and it's just extremely well acted. Which reminds me, I have to throw in another honorable mention. I'm sorry because I almost was going to knock off another show and I can't do it. But speaking of BBC, BBC show, BBC shows. Wow, 10.5 ABV, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Doctor uh, Who. <laughs> not Doctor Who, but The Good Life. Rob would put Doctor Who on, I'm sure. Hi, Rob. Yeah. Post pro, uh, although not technically because the show is not over. But the Good Life, which was a BBC show, BBC Four, I believe, uh, about a couple who he was a designer. Now I have that song from Austin Powers going through my head. Thank you. <laughs> he, he was an industrial designer and he designed toys, and he realized this is such rubbish. Like literally what he said, and he decided to live the good life and just work, uh, live at home, in certain or wherever the hell they lit down remember what little suburb they live but they're like right in the suburb of london and they're going to grow their own produce and live on the off the land in, in a normal sized lot in the neighborhood and it was just the struggles that they did to keep on going and the work with their with their very upscale 
hoity-toity neighbors in the interaction, and they made fun of the uh, very upscale um, aspirations of the next-door neighbor wife. But again, they treated all the characters with respect. It was a really, really brilliant show, so that probably would have been number 12 for me. But anyway, no, my... You said, you said Faulty Towers, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, and you know, oh boy. Um, you know what? You know what? I actually am going to change one of my, and now, now what has moved to my uh, honorable mention is Late Night with David Letterman. Okay, so let me stop you there for a second. First of all, <laughs> wrong. No. So I'm glad you brought brought that up because I didn't have, I didn't, I chose not to have uh, Flying Circus on here. I don't really? have Johnny Carson on here. I wouldn't have Saturday Night Live anyway, but I didn't because there's not there's not through narratives on those. Um, so, but David Letterman is fantastic, and and even his his new thing that he does is phenomenal. Um, his new thing might actually be better than yeah, because it's stuff he really wants to do, right? Right. right. So anyway, I'm, I, I wanted to just point that out. So if your people are like, "Why don't you blah blah blah? Why don't you have Marshawn Lynch on this?" It's like that's that's why. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna stay with Letterman. Uh, but Fawlty Towers, again, I really struggled with like, mm, what do I do? Do I put it on? The only reason I wouldn't put Fawlty Towers on because it was such a short run. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which doesn't necessarily mean, I, in, in a like lot of the ways, British it, Office, right? It's like it's 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 brilliant. It's like every one of those episodes is absolutely brilliant, but it's hard to put up. I don't remember now if there were sixteen or only twelve, because it seems like the second season, which came four years later, uh, was uh, somewhat truncated. But every one of them is is absolutely absolutely. A stunningly amazing, but I'm going to go with the Late Show with David Letterman just because it this uh, he he basically did a did a late night talk show by not doing a late night talk show. It's like this is how late night talk shows are done. So I'm going to do the opposite. Other than interviewing guests, right? Everything else was was different. So I mean, I, I thought that was just a brilliant show. Your number, what are we up to? Eight. Like eight. <laughs> We're only up to number eight. <laughs> Uh, my number eight is currently on, but in its last season, which is Barry on HBO. Have you seen Barry? Yeah, very good show. Um, very Hater, good show. of course, came up with the idea of it, but um, I mean, the, each character is unique and well-written. The story is extremely unique, um, especially since it's, quote-unquote, a comedy, which I still am not <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm not quite sure it's a comedy. <laughs> I mean, but you see it listed like it's a comedy. I'm like, is it? are they calling it a comedy because... Yeah, it has moments of never laugh out loud funny, but very sarcastic like the humor. Darkest, darkest comedies ever. That's comedy. The only, yeah. the only thing I can figure is it's made by comics, but it's not funny. I mean, right. it's not it's not a comedy. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the lead character Barry is just so he makes decision he makes decisions that make sense for Barry, but they don't make them on any other TV show, you know. Yeah, and it's it's like, and he the creators of the show have such a clear viewpoint on what they want to do that it never strays away from that. But it's like, why it, this makes complete sense? Why is it so hard for anybody else to not 
to do this kind of thing because it's talent, right? Because they're talented right. in what they do. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's very violent, but I mean, they've made stars out of people on that show at this point. You know? Yeah. You no, know, Hank, I mean, that guy was, you know, but now he can do a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it's just a phenomenal show. So that's number eight. Uh, back to number seven, seven for me is, and you had mentioned it, the Bugs Bunny show. Which later became the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour and became the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show and it bounced back between ABC and CBS and I didn't even remember but when I was looking back to see when it first started it was actually in prime time for the first couple of years. Oh, I didn't know I, don't, that. I don't remember that at all. I only remember it on Saturday mornings. Started uh, off as a BBC show. No, that's <laughs> it could have been. Probably wouldn't have been surprising. Um, and obviously it's repackaged. Well, maybe not obviously, but it's repackaged shorts six to seven minute cartoons that when you when you went to the movies back in the 30s and 40s it was an event because they would have a cartoon they would have a newsreel and sometimes which was how people watched the news because people didn't have tvs they had tvs that existed but most people didn't have them they would have a short usually a comedy short which was 15 to 20 minutes long like a three stooges thing and then finally you would see the main picture a lot of times there would be Two features. So you went to the movies and you'd be there for four hours and you paid like a dollar to go see all this stuff. Uh, but the Bugs Bunny show brought all of these classic Warner Brothers cartoons back into the mainstream media, uh, into culture. And this is how literally this is how millions of Americans were introduced to things like opera. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> What's true. opera, Doc? And, you know, they played riffs on tons of popular themes and you saw lots of oscar winning films they were short films because they're six or seven minutes long but just brilliant brilliant achievement uh and mainly they're funny as hell i mean this is why kids waited until 10 o'clock to go out and play ball on saturdays because they were inside watching the bugs bunny show yeah yeah I, i mean i watched it for an hour and a half every saturday morning now it's like uh, it's kind of sad they don't really have that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe it's like oh, there's it's violence and too, but it's so silly. Well, mainly because it's drag shows because Bugs Bunny appeared that's true. probably thirty times, no exaggeration. Yeah, that's and true. El- Elmer Fudd was like had the major hots for for a different species in drag. Wrap your head around that, Republicans. Okay. Well, and, the, and then you had the you had the the uh, skunk and the, the cat thing that was just not so um it's a <laughs> mixture of the, the the mixture of the species yeah and the fact that he was like more than a little rapey yeah kind of problematic <laughs> um anyway um, you're, yeah seven oh my god that's uh christopher walken thing in saturday night Live has to basically uh, partly be based on peppy Le Pew. i mean oh, yeah. it's just um, so number seven for me is uh, Ted Lasso, which, uh, again, if yeah. you haven't seen it, it's just like I, I saw an interview with Sudeikis. I, I mean, he did it fairly recently, but you may have seen the same thing. But he was he came up with the character in 2015, not to really put it on TV, wasn't really sure what he was going to do with it. And mm-hmm. the character was completely opposite of. I Ted saw Lasso. that. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. just said. You know, Trump was running for president at that time and how people were reacting to him and the things he was saying. And he was like, I have got got small kids. I just don't want to put more negativity into the world. So yep. this Ted Lasso, partly based on 
Pete Carroll type coach, right? Which is yeah. true. That's what he said. Yeah. And it's just so, it's so well written again, so well written, but there's just enough drama versus comedy and just truly heartfelt. We're better as humans for watching the show kind of stuff. Cause you get that from extremely high level that you don't get from most other shows. So it's anyway, Ted Lasso is number seven. See, we do bring things back to the Seahawks occasionally. Um, yeah, and I did see that that article, and it's like it's fascinating that uh, you know he decided in his own way, whether it's a small way or a large way, to be a force for good. That's pretty awesome, and be entertaining right. at the same time. Uh, my number six is speaking of precognition, the Dick the Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh, it's one of the first situation comedies that had a more realistic view of what marriage is like i love lucy obviously predated it and honeymooners but those are almost caricatures of relationships where this is much more well other than one when he had nightmares and and laura came streaming out of the closet on a (laughs) like millions of walnuts and you're laughing because anybody who's seen the dipping bag show knows that that episode but it's an also a really interesting look at behind the scenes of how television is made uh, Rob Reiner, oh God, not Rob Reiner, sorry, <laughs> Carl <laughs> Reiner created the show, and it's based on his experiences as a writer for uh, your show of shows, which starred Sid Caesar. And Sid no Caesar writing was, talent at all. On that. Yeah, no writing talent on that show at all. Oh my God. Um, Woody Allen was was a minor writer no on that show. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous like several of the best comedy writers ever on that, on that show. But Sid Caesar apparently at times could be somewhat of a megalomaniac. He was a maniac and he had a huge ego and it was fueled by uh, abuse of various substances, which Sid Caesar was very upfront about. And so, so the Alan Brady, who was the, the never seen until very late in the series, uh, star of the show that Rob wrote for was based on Sid Caesar. So a lot of those situations uh, were things similar, exaggerated, of course, but similar to things that Carl Reiner had actually gone through. But uh, it's, it's famous for the fact of like two of the most attractive leads in, in TV history ever, and they both slept in single beds because you couldn't show them in the same bed on television back in the 60s which uh, that to me that's one of the reasons no idea marco robbie and maria sharapova were on that show (laughs) that's uh you know that would be an interesting show i believe i'd watch that uh but so that is my number god only on number six yeah that's my number six yeah number six for me is a show based on the vmac um it's called downton abbey um but it's (laughs) you know i mean it's does it (laughs) It's, uh, you got the people, you got the coaches, and then you got the players. Um, yeah, it's all but, there. Uh, no, just, I mean, people like, it's a, like, not a remake, but it's a upstairs, downstairs, but yeah, done even better because it's uses yeah. some more modern plays on it. And, and it's just the family. So the acting's phenomenal and it's just, it's soapy, right? To some degree, but nothing wrong with soap if it's done at an extremely high level. And that's what Downton right. Abbey is. Agreed. Agreed. We are on to number, number five. five. Amazingly, my number five is the X Files. Uh, did horror, sci-fi, 
Supernatural, Spooky, as in Spooky Mulder, did it right. Uh, very influential show, obviously. For it's hard to believe that it came out in the '90s at this point. Um, it seems one of the even biggest, older than that. Some for some reason. Though. In some ways, yeah. Uh, they're they're monster of the week shows generally have held up better than the overarching story. But I mean, that's one of the reasons why it was so brilliant because it did have this on running theme and this ongoing story over several seasons. But at the same time, they would step back from it and give people an entree into the series who had never seen it. You could start watching it in season three and then kind of go back and catch up because they had the, the monster of the week type shows, which were generally for me more entertaining but especially the acting of the two leads and the fact that the way their relationship was portrayed they had amazing chemistry but they had amazing chemistry as friends and it was it basically showed oh look an attractive guy and an attractive woman can actually work together and not hop in the sack by episode two imagine that that's to me that's the best part of the show i mean i really love the show but the fact that they established that oh look People can work together and not have to, like, I don't know, get it on right. immediately. That was awesome. Plus the fact that the character of Dana Skelly uh, literally has inspired thousands of women to go into the sciences uh, because you can see that. See that in social right. media. It's like, oh, I was inspired to do this because of you. And it's like, that's a pretty awesome thing to have that. Plus the fact that... Uh, you don't see many aliens running around, and that's due to Mulder. So thank you, thank you, speaking Mulder. And you know they they do that with Ted Lasso to some degree too, because it would be so easy for a lot of shows to be like, oh, the coach and the owner end up sleeping together. It's like, yeah. nope, nope. He's he's who he is. She's the owner, and there's never even a hint that they oh they got to hook up. And that that's partly right. what's like, oh, this makes this feel more real, and therefore more hopeful. Exactly. Um, number five for me is Mash, which uh, you know. Drama, humor. Shocking, it dropped to number five. Shocking. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was probably number two or three when we've done this before. I mean, number yeah. one has been number one for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, Same but, uh, gotcha. Yeah, but, but MASH, I mean, it's just like, yeah. again, even, it started off as this kind of goofy thing, play off the movie, which is still funny. After what season four got less funny, moved more into an, uh, Alan Alda. Would nothing wrong with that arc, um, but still the characters are so fleshed out and so well written, and yeah. you could you could balance no show balanced humor and and the horrors of war better than Mash, right? So. Oh, I don't think it, very few shows have even have attempted to do that. And yeah, I mean I've struggled not putting it on the list because of that. Because how many shows do you see that grow because their characters grow? And it makes perfect sense. I mean, the show lasted, what, three times as long as the actual conflict it's based on. And it grew from an absurd comedy, almost not quite slapstick, but kind of a surreal comedy, into a very heartfelt drama with comic overtones at times. And that just generally doesn't happen. And it certainly doesn't happen where they pull it off. I mean, the only other show I can think of is Laverne and Shirley, The Squiggy Years. That's the only thing. (laughs) <laughs> so heartfelt <laughs> so so down to earth the squiggy years speaking of down to earth my, my number four speaking of the bbc is monty python's flying circus uh 
Yeah, everything that came after. I mean, cultural icons, obviously, on both sides of the pond uh, came from this absolutely ridiculous show of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Uh, One of the reasons it's not my number one is the fact that they did one more season without Mr. Cleese. And it's not that he was that he himself is irreplaceable, but they all were irreplaceable. And if you take any one of those five out, you're you're losing something. Right. And that last season without him just isn't quite the same. It's still one of the best shows ever. But with him, uh, you can't do the Ministry of Silly Walks without John Cleese. And he <laughs> hates that sketch because it's so physical. And he hates that. He hates doing it, which is hilarious because uh, when that's the thing, these these are <laughs> these are young gentlemen from Oxford and Cambridge, two of the, the two of the greatest institutions of higher higher learning right, right. in the world, and they produced this absolutely absurd, maniacal comedy, which still, God, what is this? Sixty? We're going on almost sixty years later. Is one of the funniest things yeah. that you could ever hope to see, and. The fact that they combine absolute absurd slapstick, a, a night walking on with a fish and slapping somebody because <laughs> the joke isn't funny, and and doing Jeopardy-type shows with philosophers, uh, absolutely <laughs> insane, absolutely insane and brilliant, brilliant show. I mean, it takes geniuses, and that's the thing. They were the writers, too. They weren't yeah. just performers. They are the writers. And, just the, the the talent on the show is just absolutely stunning. So damn funny. It's funny you mentioned uh, they are the writers because the next three shows on my list up until number one <laughs> are all people on the show that write also write for the show. Yeah. Um, but number four for me is Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, which probably has been number two or three at, at times. Um, but just over the years, it's like, uh, this show kind of at this point, uh, nothing wrong with Seinfeld, but the other shows, but Seinfeld is just, I mean, so well conceived. The yeah. the it's it's like what happens. You mentioned Cleese. Like, what happens if you'd replace one of those four characters on Seinfeld with someone else, or they weren't on the show? The show the structure falls apart, right? It's not the same show. Yeah. Um, which is one reason they stopped when they stopped, right? They were like, no, we all got stuff, other stuff to do. Um, not that anything would ever be better than Seinfeld, but at some point it runs its runs it runs an end. Um, but yeah. Julia Louise Dreyfus is. She actually had to ask for more lines when the show started off. Now you look at her and it's like, you know, how was she not the star of the show? Well, because it was really, even though it was Jerry Seinfeld and, you know, Larry David's show, it was a four piece, right? Yeah, absolutely an ensemble piece. A brilliant and each of those piece. characters yeah. just extremely unique. Yeah. Um, and extremely well played and all hilarious. Um, yep. So. And very yeah. different characters. Very, very. Yep. Different motivations, sensibilities, except for Kramer, who had no sensibilities whatsoever. He's <laughs> barely human. Uh, right. Yeah, it's a brilliant show. My number three is, speaking of ensemble pieces, is the American version of The Office. Uh, one of the rare examples, to me, of Americans taking a British series, the BBC version of The Office, and improving it. Did they uh, I, th- I, mean, I, think they, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying, but did they, because it was still Gervais and Merchant. It was almost like they were like, okay, when this show starts, we'll just do this. Mm-hmm. So it was like they kind of helped it, you know. Oh they yeah, kinda, they oh, kind of created it to an American version. Gervais, Gervais even 
showed up on the show at one point, which was yeah, did. brilliant segment. It was so funny. And some of the people they thought of hiring, so I know I'm boging your, your, cause I love that show too. I, it could have yeah, easily been on my list, but some of the people they had like Bob Odenkirk, you know, he was yeah. one of the people, he yeah. shows up later on too, but he was one of the people they had originally possibly for Michael. And it's just like, how yeah, different just, would that have been? Steve Carell is so perfect. Up. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and Steve Carell is obvious to me. The show rarely, because most shows don't have two hearts. This show has two hearts. And Steve Carell, because he, they took the character, Ricky Gervais's character of the overbearing, obnoxious jerk office manager, and they gave him heart, which the British version didn't have. It didn't need it because that's not what no. that show was about. And that evolved over time. You see the first season of the American version of The Office, and Steve Carell isn't quite Michael Scott yet. He really becomes that character as the writers continue at, in, in season two and on. As it, it makes him a very empathetic character, despite the fact that, you know, it, it's so weird because in, in some ways you would do everything to work for that guy. And in other ways, you could not wait until five o'clock came around. And that's one of the reasons why it's brilliant. And to me, the other reason is the the long going romance of Jim and Pam and how that was such a long, slow burn. And, you know, I talked about it in the X-Files. It was like, oh, they work together. They don't have to immediately jump in the sack. It's like, well, the office used that and eventually turned it into a relationship but then it was a real relationship a real relationship that's right they had troubles as as they went along in their marriage and they had difficulties and they were all real it's like oh i gotta gotta make your career change but this means me moving away and it's like do you really so there's two ongoing stories in the office and it's absolutely brilliant and all the performers are uh, amazing yeah no talent in that show yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's funny that that show is so and again it could have been on my list it's so great that i can't watch james spader and pretty in pink without thinking of the office <laughs> he's robert california in pretty in pink he is robert california and everything <laughs> that character is absolutely absolutely am- james spader is an amazing actor he is an awesome actor yeah. but literally i don't you're right i don't see him in anything about thinking of robert california <laughs> because there's such a ridiculous ridiculous character and, and for all the in all the best ways your number my, three sir my number three is a it's the criticism that this show sometimes gets even from fans of the show is that they do the same thing over and over again well they do it over and over again because they do it at a level nobody's ever been able to do before which is partly they they find the nuance in the shtick they've already done mm-hmm. 11 years ago but it's still like the characters seem to have grown at the same time. And it's like, oh, I remember. It's it's Letterkenny um, with Jared Kiso. And oh, I thought just, you would say South Park. Um, no, no. It's a, no, <laughs> South Park's actually. It could have been on this list too. Yeah, right? South Park actually is pretty damn good, right? But um, uh, Letterkenny, yeah, it's just so – it's just, it's it's pure comedy. I mean you're not going to get, yeah. oh, there's drama. Like, nope, there's no drama. But it's um, – <laughs> He, I've seen it's funny because the same character, a lot of the same actors did 192, which is a serious cop drama. Um, and they're also in Letterkenny. So you see they oh, they can act and they're also acting in this. Um, but it's just they the characters are so original that it's almost like, oh, that's probably who that person is. Nope, they're just acting. But it's it's just um, I mean, the there's it, all of it's funny. But when they bring the Amish in the Dick family. And it's just like how they just are not, they've got to have so many outtakes and just not be able to make it through most of those scenes. Cause it's just so hilarious. I mean, it's goofy comedy, but it's also got a heart to it as well. Cause you know, 
you know he's going to stand up for Katie, his sister. Wayne is going to stand up for Katie, his sister. And there's a whole different element to each part of this town. There's the skids, and then there's the uh, shirt tuckers. I mean, well, for instance, Tyler Johnson <laughs> did the announcement of what round four of the Seahawks, and I was just so excited. Oh, Tyler Johnson is yeah. doing the Seahawks pick. It was like the my two worlds have collided. And it's just, um, but at the end of the day, it's like they stick together, even though they, they, they differ and they, you know, kind of don't get all uh, along all that well. Sometimes when the town is challenged, when Letterkenny has kind of got this challenge, they all stick together. I I love that kind of community. Um, and it's just such a well-written and funny show, pure funny. Speaking of communities, not on my list, very funny show, but not on my list. Uh, my number two, and I really struggled with going between whether this is my number one or my number two that I went with. Anyway, my number two, pretty sure this is still on your list, is Mad Men. Uh, it's just brilliant. I mean, when it first started, I didn't watch it for the first three seasons it was on because I was thinking, a show about advertising on Madison <laughs> Avenue in the 60s is like, who the hell would watch this crap? Like, yep. oh, everybody, everybody should be watching this. That's what, because it's not about advertising at all it's it's about the complexities of of life that's what it's about not to wax philosophical but that's what it's about and of course it's led by to me the most interesting lead character in any series format ever is don Agreed. i mean just this guy in, in many ways he's despicable in many ways he belongs in life for in prison for life or in life for prison kind of what his life was in a lot of ways. Uh, and in other ways, like you could not find a better person on the planet than Don Draper. And it's all in one character and it all makes sense. Yep. And and it's still an ensemble piece. And yep. every character is f- more fleshed out than some people I actually know, for God's sakes. And yeah. <laughs> and brilliantly portrayed. Amazing writing. There are there are story arcs. There are carry character arcs that all make sense as various characters develop. Some people who start out as kind of like mm, not such good people turn into more uh, better moral characters. Draper kind of bounces back and forth between the most awful human being ever and to the best person ever. And sometimes yeah, you have to stay at the same time. And that's what makes it absolutely brilliant. And yeah, because has, people are like, oh, I've given it like I've started the show with a couple of people and they're like, yeah, I'm like, no, you just got to stick it. But you got to be willing to stick it out. Yeah. And, and Mad Men is my number one and has been for. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're in for at the at the conclusion of the very first episode. It was like, what? Yeah. But what? there's but you mentioned there's there's moments of humanity, like my favorite oh, episode. Yeah. And again, Mad Men is, is number one on my list. And the yeah. who knew John Hamm before the show? Really? And now, yeah. him, right? And he deserves yeah. every bit of it. And by the way, have you seen the trailer for Maggie Moore? I've not. Yeah, Tina Fey and John Hamm, and one of the character, one of the guys who plays a character on Ted Lasso. It's a oh, film that God. comes out. Have you seen I, the trailer for a Strange Way of Life? Yes, I have seen the trailer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, anyway. So, but my favorite episode of Mad Men is the one, season three or four, I guess, where it's just he, and um. Oh, man, I forgot the character's name. Phenomenal actress. You know who I'm talking about? Peggy. Yeah. And they have – it's really just them in the office, and they're trying yeah. to figure – and he puts his hand – at the end, he puts his hand on her hand. And it's not, I'm going to make yeah. the moves on you. It was just I, a moment of pure caring. 
about that person. And and they, they their characters changed too, but it was just that those moments make the show so incredibly special and yeah, moving. The, the fact that he never put the moves on her, and it wasn't because he didn't find her attractive, it was because he respected her. He put the moves on basically everybody except for Joan, who who he even respected. John Slattery's character, and was afraid no. of just about. Uh, because he respected yeah, and he no. kind of was afraid of her, but he respected Peggy and, you know, he thought more of her than that, which was brilliant to me. Like, the... <coughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The conclusion of the episode carousel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, Absolutely. um, yeah. you're so number I'll, two, my number two, number two. And, and everybody knows my number one now. So Mad Men. Number two for me is it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, it is for anybody who hasn't seen this. This this show is made. Yeah. They if you watch the podcast, these people, the people who make it, Rob McElhaney, Colin Howerton, Charlie Day, Kristen Olsen, who's married to, to to McElhaney, Danny DeVito, who's really he doesn't really even write the show. He's just there starting in season two. The show goes goes to show you how good the show is, how great the show is. When he joins in season two and we're about to enter season 16 and people don't think of, oh, it's always Sony with Danny DeVito. It's like, nope, he's on there and he's a very important character on every show. But it's like you don't even think of him. That's how well how good the show yeah. is. But the, but they started off with a plan. These guys were friends before the show and they were like, they, they don't want to do anything too broad. Sometimes they'll be like, nope, it's too broad. Their characters have to be a certain way, but they do so much with them. And there is there's two things if for people who haven't seen the show. Season five, episode five is the best single episode ever made of any TV show ever. Even the end of MASH. Season five. Oh, episode I'm, not five. A, I'm not up to that point. I'll, uh, I'll have to get there. I'm on season four right now. There are two different storylines happening at the same time. Each one could make up its own show. It's f- just phenomenal. It's hilarious. But then, again, it goes back to these guys are really super talented in, in their own right. But the end of season 13 with the dance, the part that's called the dance, which is Rob McElhaney. McElhaney's character is gay. I don't think I'm giving anything away at this point, as you find out in later seasons. But he does this dance with this dancer she's not on the show other than the dance because and it happens in a prison the whole thing sounds like a joke but it's anyway it's like he's putting on the stance because he wants to show his dad he doesn't know how to tell his dad he's gay his dad's a prisoner we've known that the whole series but so he does this dance and danny devito is there too watching but they do this dance, and it's one of the most beautiful moments of in television history that i've seen i mean it's it's not funny it's beautiful and that's the point of it and they, it goes on for like three minutes. McElhaney's like, I had to, you know, we practice for months and months and months, and it turns out perfectly. And they do this dance, and Danny it shows Danny DeVito's face, and he's he's crying, probably literally crying, and he's just like, I get it. And it's just like that kind of moment could rarely happen on a show that intentionally is not a comedy, but it's so extremely well done on this. It just goes to prove like how good these guys are. Um, but yeah. If, don't don't start with if anybody's listening. Don't start with season five, episode five. Lead up to it because it, no, every no. show is. But that is the best TV could be. Period. 
All right, I'm That's just going to watch that. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to watch that, and then I'm going to watch anything else for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> no, because like I said, I am on season four, and I, obviously I haven't seen that episode that you're talking about. Season, yeah, season five is the best, best season of any TV series ever, that yeah, season. Because they're all absurd, absurdly damaged characters. But as you've said, with, with all these shows that we've talked about, they all have, they all have heart. Yeah, they have heart. They have heart to to a degree, but they also they stay true to the characters because anytime they write and they write the show, obviously, but anytime they write their show, they're like, is this going to our character is an idiot and we have to keep them being an idiot because it allows everybody else to play off them. It's just extremely well, very unique in the way they do it. So exactly my number one. And then we'll go back to Mad Men for a little bit, because mm, I think we've discussed my I think we're we're, anyway. My number one is Twilight Zone, and it's almost—it's not almost—it's a one A and one B because they can flip the two, Mad Men and Twilight Zone a lot. Twilight Zone, obviously, a very different show from Mad Men. Uh, actually, started in the late '50s, and Twilight Zone, Rod Serling's was uh, a, a award-winning playwright and teleplay a writer at, at that before he started Twilight Zone. He started Twilight Zone because he wanted to address social issues, and censorship in TV in the '50s would not allow him to do that. So he decided to address these issues like inequalities among like, financial status and racism and all the rest of it uh, <clears throat> through fantasy and, and science fiction. So while the Twilight Zone definitely has all these issues, uh, addresses all these issues, it's all in the context, it's all in the framework of science fiction and fantasy because, oh, it's all make-believe, so the censors wouldn't care. Uh, you know, if people were terrified of there's rumors of aliens coming out and there are no aliens, it's just people fear mongering among themselves and hurting themselves like the monsters are doing Maple Street, which is one of the. the, the but there's no aliens. And who's that guy on the wing? <laughs> yeah. And obviously, yeah, right. The, the shows William Shatner, uh, so many major stars. Got their really story, yeah, exactly. here. Yeah, Robert Redford is in two of the shows. Uh, it, it's just a brilliantly written show, and he didn't write all the episodes. He wrote a lot of the episodes, but some of the top science fiction writers, Richard Matheson, contributed dozens of episodes, and certainly wrote dozens himself. But I mean, it was his show. He created it. He was the the editor. He not the film editor, but he made the choices as what stories would be done. Uh, and, and again, there and there are some light comic episodes for sure. Uh, Burgess Meredith makes several appearances there's one was i think it's called digby the strong where aliens give him different ability abilities just to see what he's going to do and he's just kind of like a sad sack dopey human and they give him various amazing like mental abilities and then he's like as strong as the hulk and and just ridiculous things and it's purely purely comic and there's an episode time enough at last where he's all he wants to do is get away and read his and be able to read books and there's an apocalyptic event, and he finally has time enough at last to read, and then there's a twist at the end. And, of course, that's the Twilight Zone is famous for those twists at the end. Uh, it's been reincarnated at least two, maybe three times. It's been copied dozens of times, including by Sterling himself later with the Night Gallery, but nothing ever really matched. Uh, and there are some episodes that aren't, like, the best, for sure. Uh, but overall... I, 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 the, the fact that it could switch from comedy to like the, the deepest heartfelt 
emotions and often, often did that. Uh, absolutely a, a brilliant show. It's like one of the most scared things I've ever been, ever, ever had was when I was a kid and I watched one of the, one of the last episodes, The Bewitching Pool, where kids uh, just dive down in a swimming pool and they come back up, but they're in like a little pool, a lagoon, and it's like a different world. And their parents can't find them, and their parents are like freaking out. And that was terrifying to me as a kid. I mean, it's yeah. But the kids actually got away from bickering, abusive parents, and I went on to a better life. So I mean, it's pretty complex show. Uh, yeah, at, sure. at many times, an mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant show, and and definitely, I mean, obviously, it took the other writers and directors and and all the rest of it and actors and et cetera. But it's like, if there was ever a, a show that was driven by one person, it's, it's the Twilight Zone. Cause there's no, uh, hell about a third of TV that we have doesn't exist without Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, just ending the show with this, but, uh, that actors who are so well known now got like Andy Griffith, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. yeah. You know, being on it. It's just, crazy when you oh it's jack nicholson it's like yeah. anyway that's that was fun um next week we'll do the 10 through 100 um so <laughs> let's do the 10 worst our 10 least favorite tv shows you can't do the 10 <laughs> worst tv shows because there aren't 10 there's like a thousand yeah but, exactly yeah. Yeah. that would be much faster yeah. like all my children our 10 <laughs> um yeah. uh, i want to uh, just like daytime soap operas we just like throw them all in that bin that's right. um 10 least favorite genres ever. It's like, ooh, the CW. Is that a genre? I think that's a genre. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. That's our program. Tune in next week when we have a very special guest. And that special. Why are you the worst? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.